Happy New Year. It's a great, great time to be around. Um, new Year's always so much fun, right? Because it's, it's all the hope that kind of surrounds the new year. Like, if you had a rough year, it can all change overnight, right? Like, it's a new year. It's new things happen. It's new things to be hopeful. It's, it's if, if your year ended with some setbacks, come on, somebody, let's preach today. If your year ended with some setbacks, it's just setups for comebacks, come on. No, not today. All right, too early. Perfect. Here, here's the thing, like, as humans, we have this, this desire, like God built it into our DNA to, to have hope, like to desire hope. And one of the beautiful things about the new year is that it's always surrounded with so much hope. Like no matter how bad this year was, there's a new year and there's new opportunities and there's new things happening. Like I'll just be real honest, like 2023 at our house was pretty terrible. And Katie and I are now of the age where we don't often make it to midnight on New Year's Eve. But this particular year, we stayed up all the way through midnight. Like we made it to almost one o'clock in the morning because we wanted to close out 2023. And we really wanted to see the start of a new year, believing that this year is gonna be a better year. It's gonna be a year where we can do more things and different things. And like, we're just help, uh, believing that there is hope that 2024 is gonna be a better year, that 2024 better things are gonna happen, that we don't need to revisit the pains of last year, but this is gonna be a, a new part. I mean, it's, it's really built into everything that we do. Like if you think about it, especially in our particular part of the world, like this time of year, there are diet plans of every shape and size, of every flavor, because people are committing to be healthier and, and gym memberships are at an all-time high in sales this particular month. And it seems like every day I get a notification on my Bible app of so-and-so would like you to join them in a 30-day Bible reading plan, like all good things that are all kind of built around this, hey, it's a new year, there's a new level of hope, and let's do something better. Or maybe you could just consider it like this. Like, we have some really good intentions. Like, if you were to get to where, like, hey, this year's starting, and I'm kind of dreaming of where the end of the year will be, if I'm here, I've got really good intentions about where there is going to be. So we, we start to, like, believe those intentions, and we hope for the best in those intentions. Can I just offer this? Hope is powerful. And I would say hope is incredible. Hope is, is essential. But hope alone, to get from here to there, it's not enough. And intentions are great. Intentions are so good. I mean, intentions are something so healthy. They, intentions give us clarity. Intentions help to inspire and motivate us. But intentions will never get you from here to there. Well, what if you combine them, Pastor? That seems like a good formula. Like hope plus intentions gets you nowhere. Right? Like it feels like it would. It sounds like it should. But if I add hope and my intentions together, it still doesn't accomplish anything. See, every year we start these New Year's off with these great intentions of this year is gonna be great. This is gonna be my year. This year is gonna be so, and then you fill in the blank. We've got the hope, we've got the intentions, but if we don't put the habits in place to get us there, we get to the end of the year just as disappointed or maybe disappointed as we were when the last year ended. But, but it's okay. Don't worry because misery loves company, right? Like it's so comforting to know that most people never get to the there they hope for. It's so comforting to know that most people quit long before they ever arrive. Did you actually know that this week is a national holiday? The Friday is a national holiday, January 12th. It's the second Friday every year. It's National Quitters Day. I'm not, I wish I was making this up, I'm not. More people quit their New Year's resolution within the first two weeks. So many, in fact, they declared it a holiday. So if you're not feeling your New Year's resolution, if you don't think you can get to the end of the year and new year, new you, peekaboo, just quit like everybody else, right? That's, that's what we live. 
Aren't you glad you came to Crossroads today where there's such an encouraging word for you to fulfill the purpose God's got on your life? I mean, the real deal is like, this has always been a thing. As long as humans have had hope, there's this challenge that pushes against our hope to say, you can't do it. You're not gonna make it, it's not gonna work out. I mean, if you read through the Bible, so much of the scripture in the Old Testament, New Testament combined is story after story of God gave me this, God showed me this, God pointed me in this direction, I don't think I can make it. I don't think I can sustain it. I don't think I can keep going. I mean, even some of the heavy hitters in the Bible, like people like Paul. Paul, if you don't know, was one of the foundational leaders to the Christian church. Paul was, he came to faith after Jesus had been crucified and resurrected and then ascended into heaven. And Paul comes to put his faith in Jesus and he goes on to plant churches and and rally people to Christ and write letters of instruction, information, correction, and direction. And Paul does so many good things. But if you read the letter that Paul wrote in Romans, Romans 7, Paul kind of sounds like he's about to start a new tradition of National Quitters Day. Romans chapter seven, starting in verse 15, he says, I don't really understand myself. Now this is church planner Paul, apostle Paul, winner of souls to Christ, Paul. I don't really understand myself. For what I want to do is what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. He says, I know what I want to do, I just don't do it. I know what is right, but I just don't do it. Verse 19, he continues. I wanna do is good, but I don't. I don't wanna do is wrong, but I do it anyway. Anybody ever been there before? I know what I want to do. I just didn't get up with the caps to do it. I know what I'm not supposed to do, and yet somehow I keep finding myself doing that thing again anyway. I said last time was the last time, and here I am again. He continues on, verse 24. He says, oh, what miserable person am I? Who will free me from the life of dominated by sin and death? Some translations say he wrote, Who will rescue me from me? I'm sometimes the biggest hurdle in my life in getting from here to there. And I'm sometimes the biggest challenge in my life in becoming the person God's called me to be. But Paul doesn't stop writing on National Quitters Day 57 AD. He keeps writing because he keeps believing, because he keeps hoping, because he keeps following. And he makes maybe one of the most profound statements for us to understand how, how we go from here to there, how we can know what is right and actually do what is right and know what is wrong and not do what is wrong. You can sense Paul's frustration here of, I know what I wanna do and I don't, and I know what I shouldn't do, but I do because I can't do this on my own. I, I can't do this under my own willpower. So verse 25, he says this, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. What I want to talk to you about today, if we miss that passage, we turn all of this series into a self-help series. Because as so often happens, this book that God gave us is so full of wisdom and instruction to bring about the best in our life, to live out the best of our life, to bring about the best in the people around us. And like so many times, people want to take truths and moral convictions and global compass and, and, and all the good things that scripture teaches us and pull it out and detach it from faith and just say, hey, this is actually a really good practice to be a better human. This is a really good practice to be a better dad. This is a really good practice to be a better spouse. Can I just offer this? The purpose of our scripture, the purpose of the Bible, the purpose of our preaching, the purpose of our, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. The purpose of everything that we do is not so that we can succeed at this life. It's not so that we can be more prosperous. It's not so that we can be a better person. The purpose of all of this, the answer to all of this, the answer to the dilemma of how to get from here to here, the answer is found in Jesus Christ when he's our Lord. And if we miss that, we we miss the whole point. We, We miss the whole purpose. 
that moving from here to there is not just another goal in my life, another objective to achieve. It's not just a self-help series. The goal of everything that God has given us is to move us from here to there, to move us to look more and more and more like Jesus. That God would transform our life, our dead and sinful and broken life into a new life transformed into the image of Christ. So that when people see me, they don't say, hey, what a good preacher. They see a reflection of Jesus. So when people see me, they don't say, what a good husband, what a good father. When my kids look at me, when my wife looks at me, they don't say, hey, you're doing great. You're, you're much better than you were last year. They see a reflection of Jesus. Lord, make me more like him. A husband, a father, an employee, a teammate, a friend, a cousin, a neighbor, that everybody who sees me, who interacts with me, he gives more like Jesus than he used to. He forgives more like Jesus. He serves more like Jesus. Can I just offer this? Like you hear lots of people say this, but I think I have the real truth here. I can promise you how to find the best 2024, how to have the best year of your life. I didn't say how to have the most amazing. I didn't say how to have the most fun. I didn't say how to make the most money. But if you follow the steps that God gives us to start your year and finish through the year, to go from here to there, this will be the best year of your life. Might not be the easiest. Might be some times that are just flat out difficult. But God shows us in his word how to have the best year so far. If you submit yourself and consistently do what God has called us to do, simple steps to move from here to there. Paul continues in this same book, in this letter to the church in Rome, Romans chapter 12, he writes this. It's one of my favorite passages in scripture. He says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, I beg you, I urge you to give your bodies to surrender, to submit, to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them, let your body be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find, that God will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse two, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Did you catch that? Not transform yourself, not work hard to do better, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, God's purpose for you, God's there for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let God transform you. It means we can't get to there without God doing some work. We can't get to there without the transformation power of our God. We, we have to submit of ourselves. It's a requirement. Submit yourself, live your life, give your body to God. It's a submission of, I know I can't get there without all, all of my own purpose. I, I can't get there all of my own strength. I can't get there under my own will. So God, whatever you need to do, I give to you that you can get me to the where the there you have in store for me. Why? So that God will transform me. And here sometimes Christian folks, I think is where we get it wrong. We love to take the tension out of life because tension is difficult to manage. But there are so many things in following Jesus that are a tension between understanding how to do this. There's a tension of, I'll live in this camp. All right, God, transform me. I'm gonna wait right here on the sideline until you do what you can do, until you do what you need to do. When I wake up tomorrow, God, I wanna be transformed. Those attractions that I had, those desires that I had, those cravings that I had, when I wake up, God, they should be gone because you're gonna transform me. Uh, God, all, all, the, all the debt that I've accumulated, I wanna be debt-free. So when I wake up tomorrow, money will cometh unto my bank account. God, we are counting on you to do a transforming work. That's one camp. The other camp. Oh, I'm a new creation in Christ. Okay, cool. I'm gonna work and work 
and work. I'm gonna do the best that I can to change my life. I'm gonna do the best that I can to change my priorities. I'm gonna change the way I read. I'm gonna change what I read. I'm gonna change what I listen to. I'm gonna change what I eat because new year, new me, look what I can do. And I, I put this other tension over here of I'm just gonna do it all on my own. I really, the Bible is a helpful tool, but really that's all I need. Both in their extremities are wrong together. They're incredible. There are parts of the transformation that happens in my life that only God can do. I can't become a new person, a new creation as scripture promises on my own, but I can't just sit on the sidelines and do absolutely nothing waiting for God to do it all. Yes, God can absolutely perform a miracle and he can change things in your life instantaneously, but most of the miracles that God performs in our life don't happen instantaneously. They happen as a result of God continuing to put structure and discipline in our life. Structure and discipline, I'll say holy habits in our life, are powerful practices. We need the supernatural power of God because my willpower is not strong enough on its own. But I can't just wait on the sidelines and say, God, you do it all and then I'll join. If the purpose, the premise, moving us to, from here to there to become more like Jesus, it happens by his power and by the practices that he leads us to do. I'll give you some easy examples. God wants all of us to be more generous. Like he modeled it, he taught about it, he gave us the example and how generous he was to give his only son to die for us. God wants you to be generous. And we would say like the key to being generous is that you have something to give away. So if God wants me to be generous, I should be able to pray, play the Powerball and be generous. Right, like so let's go buy some Powerball tickets after church, y'all. Let's be generous ye thee tomorrow. No, here's the thing, it's both. That God would work on our hearts to have compassion for people like Jesus did, but also he would give us habits to put in place, to live within our means, to save some money, so that when we are burdened with how we can help someone from what God has done inside of us, to recognize you need help and I have plenty to give. It's a both and. It's, it's God doing what only he can do, and then us doing the habit that God has put in place for us to get there. God stirs in our hearts that we need to use the gifts and abilities that he's given us. And at the same time, I get so busy in life that I can't use them. No, 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 God gives us practices and principles and priorities and habits that when I feel stirring of this is the gift that I've put you on this planet for for this season of life, and I've organized and structured my life in such a way where I know where I need to be and when I need to be there so I can step in and stand in the gap and I can use the gifts and talents that God has given me for this season of my life. This whole concept of from here to there to becoming the person that God's called me to be is not just about how I get there. Sometimes the most valuable part of this journey from here to there is the actual journey to get there because God will do more work in us that he can do through us on the journey to finding who God is calling us to be. So my, my here to there this morning at the end of this sermon, my here to there is to hopefully bring you to a place of hope to know where this may be difficult and it may be challenging, but it's worth it. And, and this may push me the wrong way. It may stretch me in ways that I've never been stretched before, but it's worth it. Because here's what I know. When we can grab onto the hope that Jesus provides, you are set up to do the incredible things that only Jesus can lead you to. And hope is contagious, and hope is inspiring, and hope is motivating, and hope is incredible, but hope is not enough. It's in your notes, hope is helpful, but it's our habits that lead us to change. Hope is incredible, but no one has ever hoped their way into a better fill in the blank. It's our habits that lead us to change. 
It's, I don't want to be where I am here today forever. Maybe I don't even know where I'm at. Maybe I'm just lost and wandering and confused. But I can see that there's better in store, that God created me on purpose, with purpose, for purpose. And I know to become more like Jesus is going to get me there. So I want to learn the plans that God has put on my life. I want to learn the purposes God has for me. I want to become the person. I want to arrive there, the person that God put me on this planet to become. And we can be hopeful of that. Hope is helpful, but it's our habits, it's our practices, it's our spiritual disciplines that lead to the change. It's the things that we do consistently that move steps closer to there. How do you get from wherever you are? How do you get from here, the here of now, to the person God wants you to be? You can't just hope your way. You can't just put intentions in place. There are things that we need to do consistently. It's a really well-known story, so I'm not gonna spend much time on it today. If you don't know the story, it's the story of Daniel and the lions. Then it's in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament of the Bible. I would encourage you as we start this fast together and you're reading your word a little bit more, it's a great story. Uh, the book of Daniel, we'll start specifically in Daniel chapter six today. I'll give you a quick overview. Um, so there's a, a battle between the Babylonians and the Israelites, and the Babylonians conquer them. They conquer God's people. Um, and, and instead of just wiping out the entire population, like oftentimes would happen in battles in this era, uh, they did something which actually seems really intelligent. They captured a lot of people, both for some free and manual labor, and also they captured some really like bright and intelligent and young folks to try to indoctrinate them with the Babylonian ways that they could be released in back into their, their, their community and teach them the ways of the Babylonians so that they would abandon their faith and abandon their culture and abandon their way of practice and really become adopted into the Babylonian Empire. So this guy, Daniel, Daniel's one of those young men who are selected, who are taken back and trained and really try to brainwash him into believing that the way Babylon did it was the best way to do it. And through some really powerful God moments, only things that God could have done, right? There's no way that a prisoner of a foreign land would ever get under the same favor of the king like Daniel did with the king. But he brings him into the, to the kingdom and he, he brings him in for advice and he brings him in to interpret dreams and does some really powerful and profound things with him. He, Daniel found favor with the king. However, Daniel did not find favor with the king's council and the king's advisors. And they get upset about it. So they go on a mission that they're gonna get rid of Daniel and they're gonna figure out ways. So they start to spy on him. They gotta find flaws in him. They gotta find things that he's doing wrong. And the sad thing is they couldn't find a single one. So they start probing into his faith and they find out in this little last ditch effort that Daniel has still been faithful to his God, to our God, through all of the challenges of being conquered. So they go to the king, and they're like, hey, king, everybody loves you. You know that everybody loves you, right? You're like, we love you so much. We were thinking, like, how cool would it be just to make sure, just to make sure that everybody loves you? What if you created a law? And for the next month or so, what if this law was like, hey, no one else can worship anybody else but you because you're an amazing king? And no one else can pray to anybody else. Like, they have to pray to you. And then if they do, like, I don't know, what can we do? Uh, if they do, we'll throw them into the cave or into the pit where the lions are all at. What do you think, king? Great idea. And the king's like, oh, I kind of like the sound of that. That sounds pretty good. Let's, let's do that. So they put this law into place that if you were to worship anyone else besides the king, if you were to pray to anyone else besides the king, you will be captured and thrown into the lion's pit. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went running for a different country. No, wait, I misread that. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went and hid under his bed. No, I messed it up again. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual. What's as usual tell us? That it's been happening for some time. In his room upstairs, with its windows open, open toward Jerusalem. And he prayed three times a day just as he had always 
done. Giving thanks to God. This wasn't Daniel was oblivious to the law, so he continued praying. This was in spite of the law that's probably going to cost me my life, I will still remain faithful to the things that I've put in place to honor my God. This wasn't with this new concern, I think I'll begin praying to God because I'm kind of freaking out about my livelihood right now. This was in spite of the threats, in spite of the promise, in spite of what I was instructed to do by law, regardless of the consequences hanging over my head, I'm gonna put structure in place, I'm gonna put plans in place, I'm gonna put habits in place, and I'm gonna continue meeting with my God three times a day. He met just to pray and give thanks for all that he's done, just like he had always done. If you continue reading in the book of Daniel, and really throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament, I believe that so many of the things that we read that Daniel did and hear about Daniel doing had a lot to do with the fact that Daniel had predetermined in his heart his habits weren't gonna change even when his faith got challenged that his habits would remain constant even though his faith was tested. My here to there today is not to come up and give you a list of habits that you need to start putting in place. I believe you need to hear from the Lord what those habits need to be. But my hope today is that you begin to understand the importance and the value of if I wanna be transformed by God, there's a part that only he can do, but there are habits that I need to put in place to become the person that God has called me to be. Maybe a better way to think of it is to obtain the trajectory of how I'm gonna get why there? First one is this. The first thought is this. The Holy Spirit has to lead it. The, the Holy Spirit has to, has to usher it in, but there are steps that you and I need to do to do that. So here's three thoughts, three, three holy habits to put in place, three thoughts around this idea of a holy habit. Number one, make your habits clear. Make them clear. Uh, this is where I want to be. It needs to be clear. And if I don't have a clear picture of where God is leading me for the end of the year, a clear picture of where God's leading me for the end of the month, a clear picture of where God's leading me for the end of the week, I need to spend some time with God to get a clear picture of where is there. It's really hard to get where you intend to go if you don't know where you're intending to go. When you get in your car, you don't just start driving and hope you end up at your destination. You put it in the GPS or you know where you're going. Over millions, millions and millions of people every year, they start out with this whole idea, this year I'm gonna get healthier. What kind of action plan is that? What, are you gonna just like wish that you stop eating donuts away? Like how, how's that gonna happen? It has to be clear. What am I gonna do? Where's the action plan that goes along with it? I'm gonna be debt-free by the end of the year. That's a clear goal, but then I need to be clear on how I'm gonna get there. Well, I'm gonna stop eating out so often. I'm gonna stop dining out. I'm gonna stop buying shoes every couple weeks, right? Sorry, babe, I'm, I'm probably gonna keep doing it. I'm sorry. <laughs> what are the things, the clear things that I can put in place to help me get there? We, we need both clarity on where there is and we need clarity on what are the things, what are the steps, what are the habits that I can get there? We need to be clear. I love how Paul writes it in a different letter to some church folks in Ephesians, in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter one and verse 18, he says like this. He says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light that you can see clearly so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those who he's called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. The, the message paraphrase is a, different type of translation, it kind of paraphrases or summarizes concepts of scripture and it summarizes this passage like this. He says, I ask, Paul says, I ask that you ask the God of our master Jesus Christ, the God of glory, that you ask him to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally, that your eyes are focused and clear so you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of the glorious way of life that he has for his followers. My prayer 
is that you see with clarity where there is for you. My prayer is that you see with clarity the steps that you can begin to consistently put in place to get there, to be transformed by him. Scripture uh, scripture teaches us that this journey is to become more like Christ. This journey is death to the old self and a new life in Christ, that in Christ I'm a new creation. It's a transformation into a new person. It's letting go of the old me that I can become the new person who is made in the image and the likeness of Christ. I think this is where we mess it up sometimes. Christians often wanna believe that here to there is just behavior modification. And when we believe that, we treat others like that. Well, if you just get your life straightened up, then Jesus would accept you. If you would stop doing that or going there or thinking that or believing that or listening to that or eating that, then Jesus would accept you. Can I, can I tell you, our mission, our job is to introduce people to Jesus and let him do that. that that's his part. Our mission is not to, to modify people's behavior, but to submit to Jesus on our own that he can transform our life. I'll give you some examples here. Um, I, I wanna make some changes in my life physically. Like I'm, I'm not happy with 45-year-old version of Luke. This is not what I thought I would be. You ever go to where like I wanna go from here to there and you get to the end of the year and you're here instead of there and you're like, I wanted to be there. I, I wanna make some changes. So rather than just say, I'm gonna do uh, 15 more sit-ups every day, and it's a lot of sit-ups. Rather than put goals in place, my intent is that I wanna be healthiest version of Luke that I can be. My goal isn't to put steps in place. I'm gonna do 50 push-ups every day and 200 push-ups by the end of the month. That's a good goal, but that goal's got a fixed end. It's it's not really gonna drive me to a new person. Instead, I'm gonna say I'm I'm gonna be the healthier version of Luke. I've got a whole list of books that I intend to read this year. And my goal is not to become a bookworm. My goal is not to be able to post on Instagram at the end of the year, look at the 25 books I read this year. I'm so smart. You guys like me? Do you like me? Do you like me? My goal is to be more intelligent. It's a new identity, right? Like part of this becoming more like Christ from here to there is learning my new identity. It's, it's following the identity or, or, or unpacking the identity that God has got in store for me. I'll let you think of it like this. Sometimes with goals, we get fixated on this idea um, that we just need to accomplish that next goal and then we are who God wants us to be. And I would challenge you with this. Um, it, it's more like a trajectory. Like if, if you're sitting here and I do this all the time, knowing that God wants me to become more like Christ, And the more that I know about Jesus, I feel like the wider that gap gets. Like when I first got saved, I was like, I can change two or three things and I'll be just like Jesus. And then I got to know Jesus more and I'm like, he's way better. So so what if we think about like this, instead of trying to accomplish our goals, if if I'm gonna throw this football, I freaked them out in the last server, so they're all hiding behind the computer now. If If I'm gonna throw this football to the back of the room, I wish I was strong enough just to put it on a rope and Look, some of y'all look disappointed. I know the Colts lost last night, okay? We'll, we'll get past it. It's a bad day for a football illustration. My apologies. But if I'm gonna get this football to the back of the room, I've gotta, in my mind, calculate the speed I'm gonna throw it, the angle I'm gonna release it, the arch I'm gonna put to it. It's, it's all the things that make up the trajectory. So when it comes to this intimidating idea of becoming more like Jesus, rather than think of like, oh, it's overwhelming, I quit, National Quitters Day, what are the things that I need to do to get me on the trajectory of being more like Christ? What are the things that I can put in place right now to get on the trajectory? If I want to take care of my physical body, one of the things I can do is change what I put inside my physical body, right? Stop drinking the sugary drinks and the carbonated beverages. I can cut back on those and it's a step in the right trajectory of becoming more like Jesus this year. I mean, if we wanna get real scriptural about this, I mean, scripture teaches my body is a, is a, a temple for the Holy Spirit. It's where Jesus has put things in me that only I can do, that I, I am supposed to do. 
So what trajectory do I need to be on? What things can I stop doing? Well, maybe for me, or maybe for you, you're, you're trying to know more about Scripture. You're trying to learn more about God. One of the things that you could do to get on the right trajectory is instead of picking up a device and start scrolling on social media, I pick up a device and I open my Bible app before I do that. That's a way to get on the right trajectory and making an impact on what God's called us to do. Find a group of people. We talked about groups today. Find a group of people that can help you grow and get on the right trajectory. Put some habits in place that'll help you grow and stay on the right trajectory. Make them clear. You might even say make them easy. Make them hard to forget. Easy example. If you're trying to get into the habit of reading your Bible, start to think through like where are the moments of your day where you would be best or most opportunities to, to read your Bible. Maybe for you, you need to put the Bible storage place right next to the coffee pot. And when you wake up in the morning and you're rubbing the sleepy boogers out of your eye and you walk over to the coffee pot, you hit start and you pick up your Bible and you read until the coffee is ready. Maybe you're gonna go big time. Maybe you're gonna read while you're drinking coffee. Book of John and a little cup of java all at the same time. It's a good deal right there. John and cup of Joe. It's gonna be, what are the simple steps you can put in place? Maybe for you, I tell people this often. Set an alarm in your phone. Maybe a few alarms every day. Maybe spread them out, do three or four, five, six times a day. And every time the alarm goes off, you can pray. Just stop what you're doing and pray right here. But maybe for you, you're trying to read the Bible more consistently. So put an alarm in your phone, and when the alarm goes off, you pause what you're doing, and you read your passage for the day. Sometimes religious folks get real upset about that. Um, Pastor Luke, shouldn't, shouldn't we just be open to, like, pray whenever God calls you to pray? And I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but let me give an example. If, if you can remember back to when you started dating, when you first started that journey, you were real uncomfortable with talking to that person. So because of our uncomfortability and insecurities, we would often... Set up a meeting, set up an appointment. Hey, I'm gonna call you tonight at six. I'm gonna FaceTime you tomorrow morning at 10. Be ready. I'm gonna be ready. I'm gonna have my, my hair done. I'm gonna look good. I'll get the boogers out of my eye. I'm gonna be ready. Now, the more you got to know that person, you didn't have to set those appointments or those dates up anymore. You just would call them when you thought about them or you'd text them when you thought about them or you'd stop by your house. You didn't have to say, I'm gonna be there at seven. You'd just show up. Why? Because as you got more comfortable with them, you didn't need to set the structure up to it. I would encourage you with this. If prayer has not been a consistent part of your life, put some consistency to it. Now, you're not gonna have to do that forever because if you're consistently meeting with God, you're gonna get more comfortable in listening to God and talking to God and you're gonna do it without having to schedule time. But what a great way to get started. I love the way um, the author of the book, Atomic Habits, James, James Clear says it. He says, every action that you take is a vote for the type of person that you wish to become. I mean, actions reveal what's really behind our intent. Right, like we can say I'm gonna be healthier this year while I'm sucking down some sugary sodas. Right, like that's a vote and it's not the person that I wish to become. It's the person that I'll wind up here, but it's not the person I wish to become. Every action that you take is a vote to the person you wish to become. Every time you prioritize reading your Bible instead of scrolling on social media is a vote to the person you wanna become. Every time you get up and go to the gym even though you were still tired is a vote toward the person you want to become. Every time you stop what you're doing and you pray is a vote to the person that you want to become. I'm gonna pause right here and just put a plug in for a minute. If you are here last, last week, you heard this anyway. Um, today, we are starting what I love. It's one of the things we do at the beginning of every year. It's a three-week church-wide fast. Now, fast simply means to cut something out, to make room and space where you can invite something else in. And in our case, it's we wanna spend more time with Jesus, whether that's in prayer, scripture reading, maybe worship time. So the encouragement is every day for the next three weeks, we're gonna cut something out. We're gonna remove something on purpose and intentionally spend more time seeking God. Kind of the, the premise is like if you skipped a meal before, you've had to go see the doctor and they don't want you to eat for a few hours, like 
You know, when your belly starts to rumble and you start to feel like, I'm going to die, did you know that your body can go almost three weeks without food? For me, probably four, but it's okay. But you can go a long time. Yet if I go three or four hours, I'm, oh, honey, what's for dinner? I'm dying up here. Why? Because we've trained ourselves through habits of eating regularly that we need to be fed. What if our spirit craved spiritual food the way our bodies crave physical food? We, think about where we would be, church. Think about where we would be a year from now if we craved knowing God the way we craved a cheeseburger and fries or whatever your favorite food is. I love, I love, I get so encouraged by the stories every time we do this of people that, that fasted for three days they, or three weeks. They gave something up for three weeks and at the end of the three weeks, they had seen how much they had grown closer to Jesus, how much they had grown in their faith and then he said, you know what? I'm never going back to it. Now, I'm not asking you to do that, but that's between you and God. I'm just saying, what if for three weeks, our church said, you know what? I'm cutting this out and I'm doing away with this and I'm not gonna spend any time with that so that I've got more time and more energy and more attention to grow in my faith with Jesus. And I just looked at the screen and saw that I'm already over time. So we're gonna go over number two and number three really quick. Here we go, number two. Number two, I need to get in right environments. Um, I'll talk actually a little bit more about this next week anyway, but yesterday Lawson and I were driving back, my son and I were driving back from a basketball game. And he asked an interesting question I never thought about before. He said, Dad, why do all the people in the same country, why do we not all sound the same when we talk? Like, why, why do we have different accents? If we're all from the same country, we should sound the same. I mean, if we're from Michigan, you know people from Michigan, they don't sound like us. And if we from Alabama, you know people from Alabama sound like they're from a different world. Like, it's different. Why, why don't we all sound the same? And, and really, as much as we want to deny it, the simple answer is, we're a product of our environment. We sound like the people we're around the most. We talk like the people we're around the most. We talk like the people we listen to the most. If you're trying to put some new habits, some holy habits in place, and the people around you aren't willing to do it, your success rate is probably gonna be near zero. If you're trying to give up some things in your life to get closer to God, and the people around you aren't willing to give up those similar things, your success rate's not gonna be very good. Some of the things that we do in chasing Jesus and moving from here to there requires us to get in different environments to get there. Requires us to be surrounded by different people to get there. Re requires us to engage. I'm, I'm, just, I'm late, but I'm gonna do it anyway. You can be mad at me the rest of the year. I'm gonna just stand on my soapbox here for just one minute or five. What if for some of us, the biggest habit we need to change in 2024 is our church engagement? Like I get it, when church is an option, that's not a priority, and when church is an option, can I just say it's tied closely to how we don't really get there that God's going to do. Pastor, are you saying that I can't be a Christian if I don't go to church? I'm not saying that. I'm saying you'll never get to the there you're supposed to if you're not engaged in church. That's not self-serving. That's not me trying to say, like, it makes me feel really good when we got a full house. we got a full house. It feels great. That's not why I'm here. My hope is to help you see to get to where God's got for you. It requires the people that God's put around you. And it might be one of the best habits you can start in 2024 is to be at church every time you can. To be part of the gathering, to be engaged, not just an attender. Attenders just show up and spectate. God's not calling us to be spectators. He's calling to be contributors, to engage in what's going on. He's not just looking for Sunday consumers, but spiritual contributors. How do we get engaged in church? How do we get engaged in a small group? How do we get engaged in a one-on-one -on -one discipleship meeting? How do we do it? We put habits in place to help move us from here there. I love the, the writer of Hebrews writes in Hebrews chapter 10. It's one of my favorite passages about church, starting in verse 23. He says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. There's that word again, holding tightly to the hope that we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love, acts of love, not just sit on the sidelines waiting, but to acts of love 
and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially that day of his return is drawing near. I can't become the person God's called me to be on my own. God built us to be in community. He built us to be in family. He built us to surround each other, to encourage each other, to works of love and good deeds. Come on, church, I need the church around me. I need to be engaged in church, not to neglect the meeting. Number three, be encouraged. Be encouraging. Be encouraging. The writer of Hebrews says it. We continue on. What would it look like if every time we gather together for a meeting like this, every time we gather together in our small group, every time we gather with our discipleship one-on-one, what would it look like if every time we do, the only words that came out of our mouth were encouraging? The only words that came out of our mouth weren't gossip, weren't drama, but they were good and they were helpful. I love the way Paul says it in, in later in Ephesians in the letter. Ephesians verse, chapter four and verse 29, he says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything that you say be good and helpful. That your words will be an encouragement to those who hear. How we talk to people matters. And this gathering of people ought to be the most encouraging, the most helpful people that we're ever around. Maybe one of the most simple and I think probably commonly used single sentence words of advice that I often give people is, is nothing worth doing is ever easy. If it were easy to get from here to there, everybody else would do it. God never promises an easy path. He doesn't promise an easy journey. He promises he won't leave us when we go. One of the things that I learned this week as I was studying this quitter's day is the kind of the pivotal moment, the, the, the point where everything shifts and people are like, you know what, I quit, is when they give up on themselves. Is the moment they stop believing that they can get there. So when it comes to don't, lose, don't use any foul or abusive language, let everything you say be good and helpful, what if, what if that also applied to how we talk to ourselves? What if one of the habits we pick up this year is how to use the words that you speak to encourage yourself? Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say to yourself be good and helpful so that the words of encouragement to yourself are good for you as well. Let me pray with you. God, I am I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you are a God who has given us clear path, clear instruction to get to there. God, wherever that there is and wherever it takes us this year as we become more like Christ, God, I thank you for your grace that you provide, knowing that we don't have to get it perfect, but we can trust in you, knowing that you sent us the Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead the way, so we can continue to grow every day, every week, every year, to be more like Jesus. God, as we start this new year off right, full of hope, full of excitement, let this not be a year where we quickly abandon those things you've called us to, God, but we put people in our lives we put habits in our lives that we consistently practice so when we can look back at the end of the year and say, God, to this year, just like every year, I want to become more like Jesus. We thank you for that. In your name we pray.